Free Pizza is sponsored by the Center for Visual Artists, also known as CVA. We are a nonprofit arts organization that supports local emerging artists as well as the Greensboro arts community. Please come visit us at 200 North Davies Street in Greensboro, North Carolina, inside the Cultural Arts Center in downtown. Welcome to the 111th episode of the Free Pizza Podcast. Today's guest is Megan Yankee, a movement educator and arts administrator. Enjoy. Free Pizza, your platform for creatives. And today we have the one and only Megan Yankee here. What's up? Hello, good to be here on Free Pizza. Does it come with free yes. pizza? Oh my gosh. See, every time. <laughs> I, know. I know. As soon as I said, I was like, oh, he's probably got that all the time. I've got that from episode one. And every time, I think we had pizza like maybe twice. Sure. So, and that's someone. That's when someone else brought it, which was pretty amazing. But um, yes, no pizza. Plus, you're not here anyways. If I had some, so I should have brought my own pizza. That, oh, that would have been awesome. Sure. Next time. Yes. <laughs> but awesome. So we are. This is part of a collaboration with the Dance Project and NC Dance Festival, and you're the first one, Megan. Really? Oh well. I'm really happy to be representing the festival. They've been uh, really wonderful to me, and I know a few of my colleagues that have been in North Carolina before myself, so I'm really grateful to represent uh, them very well and to speak with you about what we do. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. So, and you are a dance teacher, and you are a um, choreographer and all that, too, so we're going to dive into all of it. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, Jack of Jill of all trades, I'm I'm transitioning to fully inhabiting my many roles, my many hats as a dancer. So happy yes. to talk about all of it. That's amazing. Um, so let's dive on in. So let's kind of go back and talk about kind of what got you into dancing in the first place. Sure. Well, I think um, I was uh, one of those many uh, dancers who become professionals who uh, were dancing, at, you know, I in particular was dancing to Disney songs. So like <laughs> Lion King, Aladdin, like I would get those um tapes as a child and uh, just like dance around my room. And then I would co-opt friends to dance and present dances with me to my family. It was a huge deal. I thought it was really important. That's awesome. <laughs> We're talking, you know, from like three or four all the way until um, I joined uh, gymnastics and was very good at the floor exercise, but less excited about the big tricks on vault and beam and bars. Like that mm-hmm. started to scare me once I was in gymnastics for about 10 years. Uh, so then I left there and uh, joined Color Guard um, with my local marching band. I was in the band for as a flute player for many years. Oh. And uh, so that was, I think, a total of seven years. I wasn't allowed to be in only Color Guard, which is uh, the, for those of you playing along at home, that's the flags <laughs> and the rifles and the sabers that go along with the marching band. So I taught and did that for many years until I met um, Michael James, who was a choreographer for Santa Clara Vanguard. He's a beautiful beautiful african-american tall dancer that uh, just blew he was actually the second um african-american dancing man in my life um after um the late randy phillips who taught me um and these two men really inspired me to move forward and pursue my bachelor's and eventually my master's degree in dance so um i've done a lot of work to kind of trace my inspiration and lineage and i uh, have to acknowledge that um randy phillips and michael james were huge inspirations to push me into professional dancing 
That's amazing. So maybe give us some detail on how they pushed you and kind of what you did to kind of get where you are today. The free piece of podcast is sponsored by Zipster, specializing in custom websites and logo design. You don't have to lift a finger to look cool online. Visit Zipster.com and see what they can do for you. Yeah, so um, Randall and Chevelle Phillips, uh, a, a good teacher, remained a, um, a really very good teacher, remained a mentor and friend uh, to me uh, until he passed a few years ago. And um, he was an exceptional teacher from the beginning. Uh, he taught me for four years in high school uh, in Color Guard. And um, he just had such a way of um, instilling uh, respect for elders um, and discipline in mm-hmm. a way that I really needed at that time in my life, um, but was not uh, was not um, militaristic about it. Was very um, okay. at the same time very gentle and kind, and uh, wanted to instill also uh, just genuine curiosity about the movement movement potential of the body. So. Um, he uh, and he kept us very uh, injury free, also, which was really yes. rare. Yes, um, it's, it can be rare in some dance uh, circles. So, um, uh, after my four years with him in high school, I went on to um, march with the Santa Clara Vanguard uh, Drum and Bugle Corps based out of California. Wow, and that's where I met Michael James, uh, who also was very, uh, very gentle teacher, was not in all of the time. Um, but I really enjoyed his movement, and I remember finishing my first season with them and turning to Michael and saying, I didn't know I could go to college for dance. What's that like? And, um, you know, looked into it a little bit further and told him the subsequent year that I had started my dance studies because of him. So That is absolutely uh, amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're both were and are both very amazing men, and I feel fortunate that they are um, at the very root of my uh, dance training. That's so cool. And I'm wondering, this is coming from somewhere, obviously, I'm not a dancer, and maybe some of our listeners who are listening aren't dancers as well. Not obviously. You yeah. could be a dancer. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like to dance a little bit of Beyonce every now and then, but you know what I'm that saying? That counts. <laughs> that counts. So, like, what discipline does it what type of discipline does it take to kind of be a dancer and to, you know, keep your body in shape and just do all that? Well, it depends on kind of what your um, interest is. And I, so I don't, I don't source discipline as my initial uh, go-to as a thing you need for dance. You need, you need discipline for any art form, for any course of study, for any uh, field that you decide to go into intellectually or as a career. It's the same thing as dance. So there is no like, uh, for some people, there is like this inborn magical aptitude for dance, just like yeah. there is for math or just like there is for, uh, you know, gardening or anything else. Um, but I would say uh, for for dance, it's, while it does help to have that aptitude, um, I would just say that if you have a, it starts with a curiosity about movement. And sometimes yes. for people that's sourced as an, in, like an injury, like, I broke my ankle, so now I have to move differently. Oh, wow. That can be a source for uh, for dance training for some people. Um, for myself, it was a, like a steady barrage of people in my life who said, "Hey, you're good at this. Keep doing it. Keep yeah. doing it." And yeah. an eventual like channeling of resources to find the right um, 
teachers and training for me. Um, uh, and I, but I, I go back to saying that if, if you're curious about dancing, then uh, like my dog is behind me dancing and playing around. <laughs> so your sounds, she's running around with her toy. Um, if you have a curiosity about dance, then that, that is the root and the source, almost like a seed that you want to uh, feed as opposed to, you know, sourcing some kind or needing some kind of outside parameter for how you dance or um, how to start dancing or how to get better at dancing. Cause it's yes. just like, like piano or bicycle. If you spend time with it, you'll grow for sure. That's right. So what she's telling me is I should keep dancing and I'll be able to dance beside <laughs> some celebrities. You know what I'm saying? If that's, if that's what you want, if, yeah. that, if that's what you want, then, then your passion for dancing, you will keep seeking out the resources and the people to help you get to dancing alongside Beyonce. Now, um, what often happens to a lot of dancers is they get sidetracked on, <laughs> on that journey to the yeah. goal. Like yeah. I want to dance with Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. And then they find out like 10 years, five years, 20 years into reaching that goal that, Oh my gosh, I didn't, I met this dancer from Albuquerque or from <laughs> France that really inspired me. And that's the direction I want to go instead. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. just like anything else, you start wanting to be an astronaut, but you find out, you know, you want to be an astrophysicist. That's so it can right. happen the same with dance. So that's so cool. I'm glad you kind of touched on that because I don't think a lot of people know the, what the diff different directions you can go with dance. So, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So that's yeah, awesome. So, yeah. and obviously you probably learned a lot about that while you were in school of kind of what you can do. So that's a good segue yeah. actually. So how was, how was uh, the higher education of it? Um, so I, I have to absolutely um, give props to Texas Women's University where I got my bachelor's and subsequently my master's degree. Mm -hmm. um, they are, uh, I'm finding one of those maybe more rare programs that don't audition students into the program. Wow. So you don't, yeah, so you don't have to have an uh, don't have to have that aptitude or training to get to become a dance major at Texas Women's University, um, which is good because I, I, you know, I had color guard training in dance prior to seeking my bachelor's degree, but I did not have um, formalized studio training, and I have quote unquote. You, you, you can't see me. I'm having quotes. <laughs> I can see you. You're my good. Fingers. Um, you know, uh, so. I wouldn't have made it into the dance program had that had they required a more rigorous audition. And um, that's at the source of their program is that they believe everybody who wants to dance should be able to. Um, and so my experience with them was actually incredibly now in retrospect, it was incredibly diverse. All of the, the student body was diverse. So you're not seeing a homogenized like um, tall, often white, often skinny yeah. dancer as the like, that is what I have to be as my goal. Um, now, certainly we've had people on the faculty there that, that do represent that kind of, that example of a standard, but um, throughout my pro throughout uh, my training there, both in both cases, I was inspired by um, uh, men and women of color of different body, um, of different body types and different abilities uh, to, uh, you know, move towards how dance can be uh, a sort of um, light in their lives or an inspiration in their lives. So many people go on to be dance therapists or they go on to be dance educators in K through 12. 
um, teacher certification, which is a big deal uh, for Texas Women's University. Um, I have gone on um, uh, while I thought I was going to teach color guard and that was going to be my life for many years, I shifted <laughs> and am, um, uh, have moved into this jack of all trades where I can teach in K through 12, uh, specifically with, um, composition and creative movement for yes. people who are, uh, for, for K through 12 students. Um, I have a, a very, uh, a grounded practice and, and great passion for teaching, um, people 40 or 50 and over right now, um, which I'm doing, uh, with the American dance festival script studios. I teach their community moves class on Tuesday nights. Ooh. Um, and so that, that age group, uh, I shouldn't even call age group. It is genuinely intended to be intersectional and intergenerational so that we're serving um, large populations of people yes. uh, in the same dance class. So I'm adapting and making sure that everyone has a way of moving through the exercises that fits their body. That's absolutely amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. I bet. No, I <laughs> I'm mean, not the only one. There are many of us out there doing that kind of work. A dance exchange would be a good example in Washington, D.C. Yes. And I don't know. It's like I give kudos to all teachers because obviously it's not. Obviously, you probably make it kind of seem kind of easy and, you know, fun. And obviously it's great fun, but that's a lot of hard work that goes into teaching. And especially when it comes to body movements, you know, so. Yeah, I think, um, I, you know, I started learning how to teach in high school from Randy. So it's something that I've um, really dedicated time and energy to becoming good at or becoming it's not even good at bad, good or bad. But how do I keep enticing people into dance and one easy way? Or like you said, not easy, but one way to do that is to keep saying, you want to dance with Beyonce, you want to, you want to learn how to tap dance better. Yes. You want to learn, you want to learn, you know, my friends over 60, you want to learn how uh, to, to prevent falling or how to recover from falling. You just, or, you know, my person who's middle-aged, you want to have more flexibility. You want to have uh, just a general sense of well-being in your body. Um, movement classes of all forms can do that. My form uh, in contemporary dance um, is one way of doing that. And if you um, find yourself in my class, then I can either help you through my contemporary dance forms or I can point you in the direction of Tai Chi or hip hop or some other form that uh, will fulfill you after my class. Oh, wow. So that's you, you have a variety of uh, resources for everyone. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the goal. That's yes. The goal. Yes. So um, contemporary is what you mostly do, right? Correct. So how, and obviously you studied a bunch of different styles as you were kind of going through your journey. So why contemporary? Contemporary, I think uh, probably because enough of my teachers and mentors were in that form. And I, I was just exposed to the aesthetics of it for a long enough time that uh, that's where my skill set built up. Also, in a lot of um, college dance programs, that's uh, uh, fortunately or unfortunately set as the standard. Yeah. Um, I feel happy, again, that TWU provided me with classes in Raxal Sharkey, um, which, forgive my pronunciation, but is a is a, the indigenous um, name and terminology for belly dancing. Um, I've uh, had some spent some classes and time with West African forms and East African forms, yes. um, as well as ballet and tap and jazz. Um, but I think... Uh, the other the other kind of component of contemporary is that 
there's some Western European grounding in developmental movement forms. Um, so without getting too much into the weeds, uh, I'll do my best, <laughs> is uh, the understanding from, um, uh, I think, actually grounded and based in World War II generation uh, Germany, um, a little bit before that too, is this, is this notion, this idea that if, uh, let me see, how do I say? <laughs> the notion that we as uh, all human beings go through a specific set of movement patterns from the time of conception through the time that we um, are walking and upright. Um, and so, <laughs> excuse my dog. <laughs> come here, come here. So these developmental patterns, we actually, in my class, we go through um, in sequence those those movement patterns. So uh, one basic example would be breath. The first movement that we experience um, in life is breath. We mm -hmm. experience the breath of our mother. Wow. And we experience the breath of our cells moving and taking in nutrients. So we can base movements off of that developmental pattern and they get more complex as we begin to walk. Right. So we, so in my class, we kind of move through and, and instill with, within people how they have moved through those forms and how we can, um, I want to say improve, but maybe uh, deepen their understanding of how their body is in relation to those developmental patterns. And that, I suppose I'll say, is my biggest passion is helping people understand their relation to those patterns. That's awesome. It's kind of like you're teaching a class where like you're, you're making people become way more aware of like what's going on, you know, as far yes. as their body goes. Yes, yes. It increases proprioception and it also... Um, I find sometimes that students in moving through a pattern find uh, some tension in their body or they just find that a movement, quote unquote, doesn't feel good. Um, and in some cases or in all cases, I ask them just to like, if you have capacity, if it's not causing you pain, continue trying to move through that pattern that's challenging you mm -hmm. because it might be a pattern that you were rushed through as a child. So for example, if you were pushed into walking too quickly, you might have not developed um, your head to tail sense. So your, yeah. your ability to move, to move your spine from side to side um, or to move the spine from front to back in a sort of undulation, which is really important. So if you encounter that in class and it's a challenge, then, you know, moving through that pattern, you might find more freedom later on by practicing it, just like practicing your scales on the piano. Right, right, right. That's so cool. And now I mean, you're making me want to take a class now because yes. <laughs> I feel like that would Come help. on out. That would be Come so amazing. Come on out. You're welcome to. You're yes, welcome to. Yes, yes, <laughs> So as far as you creating these movements and like I said, you're a choreographer, what goes into the movements? Like and maybe as far as you, is your um, performance during the festival, how do you create those flows? Like what goes into that? Sure. So uh, for this piece um, that I'm presenting for the North Carolina Dance Festival, um, I actually am doing a significant amount of improvisation. Oh, wow. Um, which is my main, my main way of presenting work right now and has been for a while. Um, and so 
I liken it to if anyone has ever watched the show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yes. Um, so those folks, for the most part, those, those amazing actors, they don't just like throw them onto the stage and they make up anything, um, which is always, I'm sure they could. Um, and I can be thrown onto the stage without any rules and I can move and dance and entertain you. Um, but instead for whose line they're given rules and guidelines that they have to follow to make to help make what what emerges from them as improvisers legible to the audience and funny yes. and entertaining right um so for this piece if i could round back to kekeringa kekeringa that i'm presenting um one of my rules that i give myself in the beginning is that i'll do um i'll i will invent i will improvise about a few moments of movement and then i will uh, in my mind i'll hit the rewind button on my choreographic vcr and i'll actually try to pull that movement back and then Ooh. i'll start again yeah so it's like i have a sequence i rewind it for the audience to see again in reverse and then i'll start a new place once i can't remember how you know once i stop being able to go backwards in time and remembering it so that's a fun score that i have for myself but also makes my improvisations legible um ideally hopefully more legible to the audience and it's not just me speaking in tongues right improvisationally that's awesome so in by improv obviously you mean improv like on the spot like when you when they yeah. see it november um 8th you're like that's a yeah. fresh movement that you'll be doing like right there exactly exactly that is insane that's so cool yeah well and it's it's i'm i'm actually addicted to it at this point because i uh certainly i can learn sequences of movement that are predetermined um but it it feels um a little bit too much like a book that's set in stone um, and my work both in graduate school as well as in um, working with Nina Martin's uh, forms of ensemble improvisation and the architect's form of ensemble improvisation, I'm just absolutely addicted to that moment of, uh, oh, shit, what am I about to do? It excites me, that moment of what am I going to do? Um, and uh, being in dialogue with audience reactions in the moment, that is what really uh what really drives me to perform more yes i'm sure there'll be a lot of people who's kind of ooh and ah and you know because yes that's so crazy <laughs> and have you seen the space that you're going to be performing i oh the, when i went i uh actually it was closed it was um closed for viewing when i was there uh, oh yeah so, um i've seen maybe some images from the internet um, I, it's more of a uh, proscenium space, so it's a more traditional space than what I presented in more recently. Yes. But that means that I can have, you know, more lighting options and more of that theater magic. Uh, so I presented this work uh, before outdoors in a gallery, also on a proscenium. Um, so it'll be nice to come back to a, a more staged version of this piece. That's so cool. And I, how many years have you yeah. done this? Is this the first one? Uh, for this project, I've been working on this project since fall of last year, okay, okay. Uh, which was when I premiered this excerpt of uh, of the whole work, um, and it's called uh, Million. Oh, sorry, 
uh, Mockingbird and Billions or Billions Mockingbird. Yes. Um, the first section actually has Trump repeating the word billions and billions over and over again. Wow. Um, it's from a Vice Media uh, video that has since been pulled off of YouTube. I don't know where it is. I can't find it anymore. Oh. So luckily <laughs> I got it in time. Thank yes. you, Vice Media. Let me know how to contact you so I can uh, <laughs> handle copyright. Yes. Um, but it's uh, different recordings uh, from him from over the last 20 years saying the quote unquote phrase billions and billions. So it's uh, different times that he has said that throughout the last 20 years. Um, and mm. I spend that I spend that period of the solo in um, a folklorico, a Mexican folklorico skirt. Um, and uh, it's sort of, especially in this most recent performance in Durham, starts to, it's, I spend a lot of time twirling. So it feels a little bit like a whirling dervish or uh, yes. like a slowed down tornado or a slowed down hurricane. Like it's, it feels very um, uh, nauseating, which <laughs> many people <laughs> like myself maybe find um, our president to be nauseating. Yes. Um, and then the second section is a sound is based on a soundscape that my uh, partner developed that includes um, my voice uh, reciting Gloria Ansaldúa's poetry, um, a text to speech record uh, recording of her poetry in Spanish, as well as some um, Nahuatl uh, poetry also put through a text to speech. So it's a juxtaposition of my kind of softer whispering with a kind of harsh robotic in um, recitation reciting of uh, of these different texts so um, I spend that second that second section mostly improvising in reaction to that soundscape and the poetry wow that's yeah. so cool to me I'm just like wow that sounds as every time it's probably super intense for you because obviously it's all different so <laughs> Well, my and my recovery period from this most recent one in Durham was really, uh, you know, it took probably two days for my body to recover. And it wasn't like a muscle was sore or I injured myself, but it felt um, uh, as I am presenting in concert dance for traditionally, uh, not traditionally, but for more um, Eurocentric and white audiences, yeah. I find that the challenge of um, being both white and Hispanic in that space takes a lot of, uh, it does take a lot of energy out of me to kind of represent that to myself and to other people. Yeah. Um, so yes, it takes, it takes a lot of energy, um, but uh, it's, it's absolutely my passion. So I do it a thousand times over. <laughs> yes. I can definitely tell you like, you really, really, really love it. And it's cool because I don't think people really realize that dancers go really deep sometimes for these performances. You know? Yes. So yes. That's... Well, physically, we physically, uh, I will say most of us probably can't afford health insurance. So no, physically, yeah. we do have a lot of, um, we have a lot of injury and pain that we go through to present works. Um, but if, I think for myself, this is the first time that I found it to be uh, incredibly uh, spiritually and emotionally um, exhaustive. Uh, and I think it's because this work de delves more deeply into my heritage and is acting as a bridge 
um, in the future, hopefully, to um, a more in-depth sense of how I am connected to my Mexican ancestors. So all of that wrapped into a performance I found to be really tiring this last round, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, wow. and th- is that why you kind of named the song? What is Because the translation um, I'm reading is to see what white girl, that wh- that white girl. So is that, why is, exactly. why is that? Tristan, why are you here? Hi, Daniel. Hey. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, sorry to barge in and interrupt what you're doing, but I'm so excited about the hand-to-hand holiday market. I just wanted to come over and tell you immediately all about it. <gasps> tell us about it. Oh, okay. So this is going to be the eighth annual hand-to-hand holiday market, November 10th. It's a Sunday. Okay. From 11 to 5 p.m., free to attend. You said free to attend? Yes, totally free. Didn't cost you no money. Wow. Yes. Okay. And there's over 45 vendors and this year, there's a theme. What's the theme? Self-care through the holidays. Wow. Yeah. So if you're feeling stressed and feeling overwhelmed with the holidays coming up and feeling like you can't take care of yourself and get your Christmas shopping done mm-hmm. or whatever kind of shopping you need to get done to buy some gifts and surprise people, mm-hmm. then you can come to the hand ham market and you can take workshops and basic ways that you can develop your handmade business to help you with that, but also to de-stress and how to refocus on yourself through a time of year when we feel like we overgive and, and have to keep going and going for others. So that is why I came over and interrupt everything that you were doing so I could tell you about how awesome this year's holiday market is going to be. Guys, that sounds amazing. You have to show up. It's free, free. to the public. Yep. Workshops. Oh my gosh. Skill shares and some self-care is going to be all up in there. Panel discussions? Yes, panel discussions too. Oh my gosh. Guys, show up to the hand-to-hand market, the eighth annual hand-to-hand market, holiday market. Yep. November 10th, Sunday, 11 to 5 p.m. Where? Revolution Mill and the Wham Rev Gallery. Ram Rev Gallery. Wham Rev Gallery. Show up. Come in strong. Let's get it. All right. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. Oh, well, so um, I, I am of mixed heritage. My birth mother is uh, from Zacatecas, Mexico. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I do know her. I am in contact with her. Um, uh, we don't talk quite as often, not as in contact with my birth family, um, you know, as I would always wish, but that is something that takes time for a lot of adoptees to really uh, uh, connect to. Um, so my birth mother is uh, from Mexico. My birth father is a good old Kansas white man who, you know, has has a full foot of of height on both myself and my birth mother. Uh, my birth sister is is the one that got the tall genes, um, and I was adopted uh, at three days uh, by um, my wonderful parents who raised me, um, who I lovingly call gringos uh, because Aww. I am also half gringo. Uh, but it does it does mean that I was raised um, uh, very lovingly, uh, but albeit separate from my Mexican heritage, um, aside from, you know, being an infant and my parents taking me to a Mexican restaurant and then um, the the servers and the, the kitchen staff coming out to hold me and look at me and, and kind of ogle me, um, knowing 
probably knowing they're like, that's not your baby um, <laughs> in the most in the most loving way, you know. Um, so so the title Kegringa Kegringa translates to what white girl, that white girl. Um, so it's it's sort of my uh, way of negotiating what it means to be identified as a white person in, if I'm in a setting of people of color and then being in white settings like I was, especially in Ohio, and be ident being identified as a person of color. So uh, having to translate um, and transition between uh, those different identities, um, not even, not even, not even because of how I identify, but because of how people look at me, depending on which environments I am in. Absolutely, absolutely. That's so cool. Okay. Okay. It's it's challenging and it's fun and and, and it's uh, you know in a perfect world I'm presenting these works for both English and Spanish speaking right. um, and and anybody else who is interested in uh, learning more about those of us who experience culture at the crossroads on a daily basis. Absolutely, which is a lot of people. So that's gonna be very yeah. great and personal for a lot of folks. That's gonna be so great. I'm stoked to so. see it. I'm really excited. Yeah. Yes, I will be I am there. excited for you to see it too. Yes. And November 8th and 9th, you're performing both, right? I'm performing on the second night. The first night is a different cast of okay. um, amazing works in a different space uh, gotcha. that I highly recommend everyone coming out to see as well. Yes, so you're doing the ninth then. Correct. Yes, November Correct. 9th and it's downtown at a creative arts um the um gosh yeah, I'm like the center yes well but but it's amazing I went there for the first time to learn and get to know everybody and wow Greensboro you blew me away with your downtown arts center like oh, and the whole space around it like it was really, it was it was very inspiring <laughs> yes it's um that building is absolutely amazing I go there pretty often for a number of different reasons but yes it's yeah. absolutely awesome yeah yeah, yes. we're lucky to have it. <laughs> yes, so please come out. Come to both nights, but definitely come check out Megan on, on November 9th. And I think, yes. is that on the basement, the the, the first floor where you're performing? When, yes, so it's in the um, VDP space, a Van Dyke performance space. Yes. Um, and I, if you're entering from the street, it's in the back and on the left of the building. Absolutely. Now, obviously, I'll put more directions to that on the Instagram and Facebook pages. But yes, this is amazing. Cool. Yes, yes, yes. Free pizza, everybody. Free pizza. <laughs> and obviously, this is a very brief and broad interview because I got to interview nine of you guys. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. You've only got, yeah, a few more left. <laughs> yes, a few more, but I want this hitting the main points. But obviously, if people yeah. have more questions, I want them to definitely come to you and ask. So where can we find you? So uh, best way is by email. My email is uh, meganyankeedance at gmail.com. And mm -hmm. that's the easy way of spelling Megan uh, Yankee, like the baseball team and dance because we like to dance at Gmail. Yes. Um, and very simple. My email, uh, sorry, my, uh, what would that be? My website is meganyankee.dance. <laughs> uh, so no.com, no.org is just dot dance. Dot dance. Um, and I can be found on Facebook also, but my last name is spelled differently. It's Y-A-N-Q-U-I because <laughs> Facebook would not let me have Y-A-N-K-E-E, -E, which is my last name as my actual last name on Facebook. So uh, you can find me as Y-A-N-Q-U-I there. That makes no... I'll, is there any reason why? Do you know? Um, I, I, I can only get... I mean, I was... 
KEE for many years on Facebook, took a break, deleted my account, and I came back and they wouldn't let me have it back. So I don't know. I think just some policy changes. Maybe they, maybe there are enough people who just wanted to pretend their last name was Yankee like mine. Oh I'm not sure. Gosh. Yes. Um, but uh, no, I don't know why. They wanted me to show my ID uh to to have my actual last name and i refuse to give them my id hell no absolutely <laughs> right? not it's creepy <laughs> no oh, you gosh. can't have it well, yes well please come see yank uh megan yankee y-a-n-k-e-e -E. <laughs> yes live um november 9th at the van dyke um spot is and um i keep forgetting the name of the freaking building the, creative, the, the visual arts center um, in Greensboro. Yeah. So yes, and that's a Cafe Europa. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be there because I want to meet everyone. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so excited to meet you in yes, person. Yes. Thank you so much for all the questions. And yes. uh, you're an absolute joy. So thank you for your curiosity and your joy. Yes. Thank you so much. And on that note, we are going to bounce out of here. So thank you for listening, everyone. And come see Megan and ask her if you have any questions. Please ask her about dance or anything or check out her website because she is also Thank you. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Have a good one. Okay. You take care, Daniel. Thanks so much. The Free Pizza Podcast. We are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Just go on the Google App Store. Go on everywhere. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Live Journal, Twitter. We tweet. We'll do smokes, niggles, whatever y'all need. Thank y'all so much. Have a good night.